Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Guys, it is my absolute honor. I love Chicago Tab. I love you guys. This is my home away from home. I know you miss your pastors, Pastor Al and Chrissy. I, they're away. They're on a sabbatical. I don't believe they've ever taken a sabbatical before. How many years is 20 years? I think it's long overdue. But I also know this, that whatever happens up here is never just a flippant thing. It's prayed about. And I know that I've been prayed here. I know that God has sent me here and that my steps are ordered by him. And I know that you are in the building today because God has sent you here. And you're not here by accident. You may have not wanted to come today, but you're here because God wanted you here. And he wants you to hear what he has to say. Before I do give the word, I, I just want to honor uh, Pastor Al and Chrissy. You know, in 2020, we transitioned our church. We went from being Christ Tabernacle 36 years, and we transitioned to Saints Church, and our youngest son, uh, Chris Durso, took over the church. And he's doing an amazing job. But along the way, he's needed help. This is a whole new thing for him. He's traveled the world, but to pastor, it's, it's something that's very different. And he knows everybody. He knows he's connected to preachers everywhere. And he was just going through this struggle. And one morning he was jogging and the Holy Spirit quickened him. And he said, call Pastor Al. And he calls him up and he pours out his heart. You know, sometimes your children need another voice of wisdom. And of all the people that he could have called, he calls Pastor Al. And Pastor Al speaks to him with such soundness and soberness that it totally transformed my son's paradigm. He said to him, what is your DNA? What's the DNA of your church? And he said, go back to every week prayer meetings. Once a month is not enough. And whatever was said to him, just like our church is changing because of Pastor Al. He influenced him in such a way. And then Pastor Al came and preached in our church and with Chrissy and, and they went out for dinner with my kids, my beautiful daughter in love and my son and the mark that was left on them because that's what they do. They mark you. They carry the presence of the Lord. They carry the wisdom of God. And I want you to be praying for them because they're praying for you and they love you. And it's not easy to bear the burden of people's pain and heartache, but they do, and they do it with such grace. So even now, God, wherever they are, I just lift them up to you, and I thank you for them, because they are pristine. They are the best of the best. You have filled them, God, with wisdom and the Holy Spirit, 
You have baptized them with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I pray, God, that they would get the rest that they need and you would pour into them fresh and new for this year to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. How many love the Word of God? I love the Word of God. You know why I love the Word of God? It tells you the truth. How many need the truth? It's the truth that sets us free. And the Word of God, every time I'm thinking a thought, I open the Word of God and it says, nope, you're thinking wrong, girl. And he kind of like gives me like a little in the face and it's like, okay, I gotta be recalibrated. So I basically want to recalibrate us today, if that's possible. And I don't know how often you read the book of Colossians, but the book of Colossians is a great, great book. And I would just encourage you this week, just, just read, it's a few chapters, and it's just so challenging, and it's just so good. Uh, and in Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul is telling the church in order to put on these new clothes, these holy clothes that God has for them, they have to take off these old clothes. They have to take off these old ways, these old behaviors, because we just can't wear two sets of clothes at the same time. You can't put on the spiritual over the carnal. So I'm going to read Colossians 3, 12 to 14, but I'm going to go old school. I am going to read it from the King James Version because I'm going to use some of the language and explain uh, what it means, even in modern terms. Um, see, it starts off, he says, put on, put on as the elect of God. So he's reminding them who they are. They have been elected. They have been voted by heaven to be ambassadors of Christ. They are chosen. We are chosen. He says, put on bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. If any man has a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all else, put on love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you that this is the day that the Lord has made. And we rejoice and we're glad in it. We're glad that we're in the house of the Lord. And we don't only want to be hearers of your word. We want to do what the word tells us to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, guys, I am going to ask you a question that I know you have never been asked in church before. So I want you to hold on to your seats. How's your bowels? How's your flow? I'm not going to dare tell you, turn to your neighbor and ask, how's your bowels? <laughs> now, bowels is an old word. It means the core, the center, the inner depth, the innermost part. And the word bowel is the singular word for gut. So how's your gut? 
How are you doing? How am I doing deep down inside? In ancient days, the gut was considered to be the depth of emotional movement. All feelings, whether good or bad, were felt in the gut. Think about the, how the gut is involved in our emotions. When we're in love, what do we feel? Butterflies. When we're angry, we feel like we've been punched in the gut. When we get traumatic news, it's gut-wrenching. When we get a premonition, it's a gut feeling. When we're nervous, when we're fearful, it's our gut is tied up in knots. And we trust our gut. It's our barometer. It's our gauge. That's why our gut has to be healthy. We need a healthy gut. Otherwise, our gut will be off. Our feelings will be off. Our premonitions will be off. And sometimes we need a cleanse. In the biblical sense, the bowel was considered to be the place of love. It's where you carried all your inward affection. So today we're going to do a little gut check. What are we carrying? Now, although I'm not talking about physical bowels, the symbolism is mind-blowing. So I'm going to give us three bowel facts, if that's okay. Number one, the bowels are carriers and releasers. What we ingest must be released. Number two, if the bowel doesn't release what it is carrying, there will be pain. We'll call it irritable bowel. Bowel blockage, bowel obstruction, leaky gut, a tear in the lining of the gut. And oftentimes, these things in the natural cause disease. The word disease is the word dis-ease. It's a disconnect from ease. Number three, what we carry will show up on our tongue. So think about this. When you go to the doctor and he says, stick out your tongue. The doctor could tell what's going on in our gut by what's on our tongue because what's in our gut ends up on our tongue. What we're carrying ends up on our tongue. So if we're carrying anger and stress and resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness and, and negative thoughts, that's what we are going to emit. And our bodies, whether it be physical, emotional, or spiritual, was not designed to carry toxic waste. We were designed to eliminate it. 1 Peter 5, 7 and Psalm 55, 22, the scripture admonishes us to release. Through Peter, the Holy Spirit is saying, cast all your cares upon me. Release them upon me because I care for you. And you know that Peter was a fisherman and fishermen had to cast their nets away from the boat. The net could not be in the boat. It had to be casted away. And he is saying, cast all your burdens, 
because some versions say burdens, some say anxieties, cast all your anxieties away from the boat of your life as far away as you can. And that word cast in the Greek means to violently throw, hurl, fling, get it off of you. You were not designed to carry it. God is saying, my shoulders are bigger than your shoulders. My back is broader than your back. I am your outlet. I don't care how shameful the thing is that you're carrying. Because every day life happens. And every day we end up carrying things that we ought not to be carrying. But God has made this elimination process where we are able to not carry it, but cast it. He's saying be a caster, not a carrier. Get it off of you. And when we release those things, healing comes. How many have released things to God? And all of a sudden you feel like a weight has been taken off of your shoulders. But when we carry them, we become physically, emotionally, and spiritually sick. And the bottom line is this, if we don't release our stuff, if we continue to carry our stuff, we're gonna block the presence of God from filling our gut on the inside. Now the word gut in the Greek, I'm sorry, bowel in the Greek, is the word compassion, to be moved deeply in the gut. So we can't carry compassion and anger and bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness at the same time. The Bible is saying that in the depth of our being, in our core, in our center, compassion should be the only thing that's gushing out of us with nothing blocking it. The Greek word is splagnitsomai. Splagnitsomai, to yearn, to be moved with compassion. Rick Renner, he's a genius in the Greek. He says, every time Jesus was filled with compassion from within, his insides churned. He couldn't hold back from releasing mercy, kindness, and forgiveness. In other words, he couldn't help himself. And he says this, he says, forgive me for being so blunt he said, let's get a little biological for a moment. When a person's bowels move, the movement produces action. Likewise, when the human spirit is deeply touched by another person's need, a release of divine power surges from deep within to reach the needs of the other individual. That's why every time Jesus was moved with compassion, something happened. Deliverance happened, resurrection happened. He was moved with compassion at the tomb of Lazarus. He was weeping and he was able to call him forth because compassion is able to call dead things to life. He provided, he looked at the people and they had no food, filled with compassion. Jesus fed them, compassion feeds holiness to people. Compassion feeds love to people and grace to people. How about the woman that committed adultery? 
They wanted to stone her. The religious people wanted to stone her. But Jesus said, where are your accusers? He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more because compassion does the opposite of what the crowd wants to do. How about the woman with the five husbands? And she has now a live-in. And, 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 and she was a rejected woman. She's been preached about and, and they make her sound like she was a loose woman, like she was some kind of hussy or some kind of floozy and she went around town and she was a home wrecker. No, because had she been that, she would have been stoned. Under the law, if you were an adulteress of any kind, they would stone you to death. But she wasn't a floozy. She was a rejected woman because underneath the law, a husband, if he didn't like her for whatever reason, he would hand her a certificate of divorce. Maybe he didn't like her nose. Maybe her legs were too skinny. Maybe she wasn't a good cook. And she was served rejection letter after rejection letter and five times. And now she's living with somebody. They're trying her out. And Jesus knows that she is a rejected woman. And what does he do? He makes her the rejected one, the one that the world's reject. He accepts, and he makes her the first evangelist. He was making a statement. You reject her, really? Well, compassion accepts her. I love her. That's why God uses us. That's why God has chosen us. The world has rejected us, but God has accepted us. He loves us. We're his. Compassion always produces action. Our release makes someone else whole. And maybe we don't see the miracles that we could because we're so busy carrying our own pain instead of casting it. Because we don't cast it, we can't carry someone else's pain. 1 John 3.17, this is King James again. But whosoever hath the world's goods and seeth his brother have need, shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? This scripture is speaking about a believer who tightens down or clenches together on his valve of compassion. He has the means to release it, but he holds on to it. He decides to carry it instead of casting it. And we live in a day and age where society sees needs, and, and we feel no movement inside. I wonder how the people felt yesterday when they were handing out all those turkeys. See, there's something about giving. There's something about releasing. There is no better feeling in the world. But also when we're carrying our toxic stuff, there's no worse feeling in the world. There's something about giving. There's something about emoting, e emit, e e emoting, I don't know if that's the right word. Compassion. It's the best feeling in the word, world. And the word compassion is used 46 times in the King James Version. And 21 of those verses are speaking about Jesus having compassion. And Jesus is telling the story about the prodigal son. I mean, we all basically know that story. And Luke 15, 20, it says, the father was filled with love and compassion. This is a story about a son who demanded his inheritance and he dishonors his father 
He dishonors his father's name. He dishonors his father's God. And his father, he gives his son whatever he asks. He withholds nothing from him. And the son spends all of his dad's hard-earned money on reckless living. But when he spends every last penny, he ends up in a pig pen. He ends up filthy and dirty and eating what the pigs eat and he's destitute and he's desperate with nowhere else to go. So the Bible tells us that he decides he's gonna go home. He's gonna go home and ask for a job. He's not going home because he missed his daddy. He's not going home to say he's sorry. He's going home because he has nowhere else to go. The world stripped him of everything and he's coatless and hungry. And he makes his way towards his father's house. And the Bible says, and when he was a long way off, I'm sure he was almost unrecognizable to most. I'm sure he was gaunt, covered in dirt, and his hair was all matted. I'm sure if the servants saw him from afar, they would have never thought, that's the son of a house. But the father recognizes his son. Because the father always recognizes his son. The father sees him in a distance. And mercy comes running, filled with love and compassion. He runs to his son. He breaks protocol and runs. Because compassion always runs. His insides are about to explode. He's filled with splagnets. Oh my he has a violent volcanic eruption and he releases what the son did not deserve. He hugs and he kisses him, filthy, dirty. He wants to hold his son. Is the father hurt by the son? Yes. But his hurt didn't stop his compassion. But see, if that father was carrying anger, he was carrying bitterness. This would be a different story. Let's look at the father minus the splagnitsomai, minus the bowels of mercy. He would have set up a meeting. He would have said, sit down, son, exactly, uh, exactly why did you come home? Uh, what is it that you want? Oh, he would have said boundaries. And listen, I'm all for boundaries. There's a million boundary books. But I think that boundaries are out of place when it comes to releasing compassion. The church is becoming boundary bound instead of compassion bound. And we have to be very, very careful because we hold people at a distance. We keep our eye on their behavior to see if they deserve a seat at the table. See if they could regain our trust when God he runs to us. Mercy and grace runs to us. He doesn't set up boundaries when it comes to us. That father minus the splag, nitsomai, minus the splagnos. He would have said, you know, I have to be a good steward. And don't you think that you're going to get one more red cent. Fool me once, shame on me. Shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. 
No, the father doesn't do that. Not this father. Not our father in heaven. The father says, no, no. Quickly, quickly, don't delay. Get the finest robe. Get the finest robe in the house and put it on him. I'm sure the, the, the servants were saying, but master, he's dirty. He's filthy. And the father's saying, don't worry. This robe is like no other robe. It's a robe of righteousness. It's going to cover him from head to toe. He says, get the signet ring. Master, the signet ring, the ring of sonship. Maybe we should give it some time. The father says, no, I want everyone to know he's my son. He says, and don't forget the sandals. Don't forget the sandals for his feet. Because tonight we're going to dance. Tonight we're going to have a party because this son of mine, he was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. You see, compassion allows for second chances. Compassion allows for second chances. Compassion allows for do-overs. And compassion isn't fair, is it? It doesn't make sense. It's not common sense. It's uncommon sense. God's love and mercy. It's not fair. And the world will never understand it. And when you and I practice compassion, when we're filled with splack, nitsomai, when we explode on someone else with compassion and love and grace and mercy that doesn't deserve it, people will say, you know, I, I think you better be careful. I think you're going a little too fast. But splagnizomai means to spare a life that isn't deemed worthy. Were we worthy? Except for splagnos. Except for compassion. The father had compassion on the world that was so lost. They didn't know their right from their left. And he sends his son. Gave him up. So his blood could save you and I. Compassion always caused Jesus to do the unthinkable. In Mark 1:41, Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched the leper. Who touches a leper? Leprosy is contagious. Leprosy is ugly. But compassion moved him to touch the untouchable and compassion is hands-on and it can't be delegated. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the older brother, the good son, the Bible says he was filled. He was filled with anger. The brother, this brother, he was wounded. He was bruised. He was faithful. He was faithful. He was steadfast on the outside, but he was sick on the inside. On the inside, he has irritable bowel. He has leaky gut. He felt unseen, unappreciated, overlooked, forsaken, and feeling forgotten creates deep gaping wounds in our gut. And the party was a punch in the gut to him, but he didn't know that he didn't have to carry those feelings. 
when he finally said to his father, you never gave me a party. The father was probably thinking, why didn't you just ask me? Why are you carrying? Why didn't you just cast that negative thing on me? He says, I would have given you a party. Some of us are carrying things because we haven't casted them. You see, the good son, he felt like he had to be a good soldier. He had to keep a stiff upper lip. He had to bite the bullet. My father, I, I can't tell my father how I feel. He's going through enough. It's my younger brother, so I'm not going to bother him. I'm just going to carry it. I'm going to carry it, and I'm going to be full of resentment. I'm going to be filled with bitterness and anger. I'm going to do my work. I'm going to keep coming to church. You might have thought, maybe if I tell my father, I might be disqualified. You might not think that I'm the good son. See, but... God's sons, they cast, they don't carry. No matter how shameful it is, they violently throw all their cares, all their smelly, stinky stuff. They, they fling it on God. They don't pretend. They trust their father. They know, God, you know exactly how I feel. You were... God in the flesh. The Bible says he sympathizes with all our weaknesses. He knows exactly how we feel. I wonder when he was in the tomb, how he felt. I wonder if he kept hearing the words crucify, crucify him. I wonder if he thought, gee, there was a low crowd at the cross. Not many people came. They were there when I was going to feed them. But at the cross, there were a few. I wonder if he thought, why should I have that stone rolled away? Why should I release compassion on the world and finish the job? But he did. And I think to myself, you see, even though the son didn't come back for the right reason, he still came back. He still came dirty. And many of us, we're in the house of God. We're the good son. We're good Christians. But we carry the sense of feeling unseen and forgotten about, right? Wow, God, you delivered her son. God, you saved her husband. God, you did this for him. What about me? But you don't say it. You carry it. You can't say it. You don't want to be disqualified. You're the good son. You've been the good son all this time. You've been the good daughter all this time. And God is saying today, I don't care why you come. Just come and cast it. That son made a step forward, and his father gave him compassion. And that's what God is saying to us today. I want you to take a step. I don't care how dirty you are on the inside. I smell it. You're not fooling me. Oh, I want to take that thing. I want to relieve you from that thing that you're feeling, that you're forgotten. Are you kidding me? I know the number of hairs on your head. I love you. I hold your name in the palm of my hand. You're everything to me. Just want you to come. Just want you to confess. 
good sons cast. They don't carry. Another thing God's sons do. They're able to release forgiveness to those that have hurt them. There's a story in Matthew 18, 27, and it says the master, he has compassion on this man that owes him over a million dollars. And the guy begs for his life, and the master's moved with compassion. He says, okay, I'm canceling the debt, paid in full 100%. I'm not going to set up a payment plan. It's not going to be interest-free. It's not going to be pay down your debt. Zero balance. It is finished. Just like us, zero balance. It is finished. No more payment. My blood paid the debt for you and me. But then the Bible says that this forgiven man, this man that had his slate wiped clean, Here's the line, he goes out from his master's presence. That says it all. That is our issue in a nutshell. We cannot go out from our master's presence. We cannot go out from the presence of the Lord because once we do, we forget all the love, all the mercy, all the kindness, all the grace. We forget we were the one who owed that great debt. We were the one that was prodigal. We were the one that demanded our own way. And we came back and he, he loved us. And this man, he goes out from God's presence and he has spiritual amnesia. And then he demands payment from this other guy that owes so much less. And nothing makes God more angry. Nothing hurts the heart of God more than we don't forgive. And we've been forgiven so much. We're living in a day and age where everybody wants to hold everybody to account. Everybody's past sins, they're held up as though we're innocent, as though we never sinned, as though we, we Listen, God is our justifier. You were not created to carry sins from the past or other people's wrongs. You were created to release them. The Bible says vengeance belongs to God, not you. I want you to have a gut that's filled with compassion, filled with grace, filled with mercy, because we live in a day and age where grace and mercy and love is such a rare thing. Who but the church can release that? This morning, Pastor Dave mentioned bitterness, and I thought to myself, God, you drank a bitter cup so that we don't have to be bitter. Pastor Edgar said, he thought of the scripture, he who has been forgiven much, loveth much. Have we forgotten how much we've been forgiven we've forgotten all that God has done for us you see we need to forget what's been done to us and remember what's been done for us I wrote this down unforgiveness is unforgivable 
What does he say in the Lord's Prayer? Forgive me as I forgive those. Anyone here can afford not to be forgiven? You know, God went from being compassionate to that man, and in a New York minute, he was angry. He got so angry at that man, he threw him in prison because when we lack compassion, we are imprisoned. I've been there. I've carried things I shouldn't have carried. I've been bitter. I've been resentful. I've been unforgiving. Until I was getting so sick where God said, you have to release those things, Maria. And what a weight it is to release it. Because then compassion could go forth. C.S. Lewis says this, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. Clara Barton, she was the founder of the American Red Cross and she was with her friend one day and her friend reminded her of this vicious deed that was done to her. And Clara Barton acted like she didn't remember the deed. And she was like, no, I, no. And the friend kept saying, don't you remember? You know, I want you to be careful. There are people in our life, they don't want us to forget. They want us to remember. They want us to remember what our ex-husband did, what our ex-wife did, what our children did, what the judge did, what the world did. Look at the news. It's a constant reminder. It's a constant reminder. And the friend says, don't you remember? And Clara Barton says, no, I distinctly remember forgetting it. <laughs> the Bible says that he drops our sin in the sea of forgetfulness. It's not that he has spiritual amnesia. He chooses to neglect to remember. He doesn't feed that thing. He feeds on God's love and grace and compassion and therefore able to release compassion. One last story. In 1948, there was a group of young, young men. They were communists and they, they led a rebellion in China. And they took this pastor's two sons and they wanted them to deny Christ and they would not. So in front of this pastor, they executed the son, the sons. Well, when uh, the communists were driven out, the guy that executed the sons, the guy that pulled the trigger was recognized by someone. And he was arrested and he was brought up for execution. And all of a sudden, this compassion came out of the father. It's a true story. And the father says he remembered all the kindness, all the love, all the grace that was done for him. He says, how could he allow this young man that knew not what he was doing to be executed, he steps in and he says in front of the firing squad, listen, please release him to me. I want to adopt him as my son. And they release him. And 
this man adopts him. And this sounds so good in a story. But this is what sets us apart from anyone else in the world. That we're able to have a love so strong, a love so deep, that we're able to explode with compassion on people that do not deserve it. This is the gospel. This is the love of God. True freedom comes when we remember what was done for us and forget what was done to us. And by remembering, we activate bowels of mercy. There's a churning, there's a movement that goes on inside. Look at what Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all Forget not all his benefits. Forget not that he has forgiven all my iniquities, all my iniquities, who heals all my diseases, who redeems my life from the pit of destruction, who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. My brother, my sister, don't ever forget what God has done for us. We have zero balance, paid in full. And like he told that good, the Pharisee when he told the story of the Good Samaritan, he says, go and do likewise. I think today that maybe we could take off some of the stuff we're carrying and we could put on forgiveness and bowels of mercy and kindness and gentleness and love and grace and forgiving forgiving the debt that we're demanding from someone that's probably powerless to pay it back it's a new season it's time for new clothes it's time for holy clothes. It's time for a cleanse. It's time for a healthy gut. It's time for us to go explode with the love of God on people that don't deserve it. Because we were those people. If you would say with me today, God, I want a gut cleanse. I just want to stand in your presence. I want to live in your presence, remembering and loving. 